This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes store, Google Play, or on the Podbean app. And while you're there, I'd love a review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. So I'm going to be doing a series on communication. I've got several couples that I've been working with lately, and it seems that we're talking about communication and effective communication and non-effective communication. And, you know, some of the couples I've been working with for years, and they're just now in a place in their relationship to really start to use these tools. That doesn't mean that these tools wouldn't have been helpful, you know, when I first started with them, but for various reasons, they were in a place to start using the tools. And so they're now starting to use the tools and they're coming in and they're saying, wow, this is helpful. This has changed the outcome of our conversations. And this has made communicating with each other go differently and it feels nice. I have some other couples that I haven't been working with for very long and they're also intrigued by the way we talk about communication. And I think the reality is for most people, we don't come built with good communication skills. And for most of us, we haven't had that mentored for us. And so we think that we're good at communicating, right? It's just kind of talking. I don't find that very many people are effective at communicating. And I think it is a skill. And so I think it takes practice. I tell couples, when you begin to practice this, it will feel awkward. And just like anything that we are learning for the first time, it doesn't come naturally to us. And we get uncomfortable with that. As we talked about in our last episode on new beginnings, that discomfort might make us just want to abandon our efforts. And we shouldn't do that, right? Like you've got to stick with it and it's good to learn new things. And so to be able to be more effective in the way that we communicate, again, is going to take some practice. You're not going to get it right the first time. I tell couples, it's even going to feel a little bit clunky and you're going to be kind of stumbling through it, not feeling like you know what you're doing. I have some worksheets, you know, that I'll email couples who are working on this and I'll tell them like, yeah, it feels weird to pull out and say, hang on, hold that thought. Let me grab the worksheet because I want to do this right. But the more we practice, the more natural it feels, the better we get at it. And pretty soon you won't need the worksheets or to, to really kind of feel awkward as you communicate with each other. Now, I think these are, you know, for me, I'm using these effective communication skills when I'm working with a couple or even an individual, but effective communication skills are going to be necessary in your job, with your kids, with just anybody you're communicating with. It's going to serve you better if you have actually spent some time practicing and learning these effective communication skills. Now, I'm trained in the Gottman Method, and I think they do a really good job and have some uh, worksheets. That's typically what I distribute is, is the worksheets about effective communication. But they're not the only people who talk about effective communication. I know Harville Hendricks talks about communication. I know in the business world, there are some people I'm blanking on names as to who those people are and how they teach communication skills. 
So I've looked at communication skills through a number of lens and there might be small differences. You know, this person tweaks it this way, this person goes this way. But the reality is they pretty much cover the same basis and the same concept. And so the good news is it's not like there's, you know, there, let's say that there's, you know, eight people out there who are really focused on teaching effective communication skills. You could learn one of those and you pretty much have your basis covered. So one of the things that I first start out telling couples is when we communicate, we do it way faster than is going to be effective. And so rule number one is slow down. And true, it's not the normal speed that we typically talk. And yet it's going to be more effective, right? And sometimes the way that we talk and the speed that we talk at is not the most effective for us. If you've ever, you know, had a conversation with somebody who maybe you're in a different country, right? And they're speaking in their language and maybe you've learned or picked up some basic words and some basic knowledge of this foreign language, right? But when you are actually in that country or talking to somebody who is a natural Spanish speaker or a natural Chinese speaker, right? You're like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what you just said, right? Like, because in our mind, as we're learning a new language, we have to do that so slow. And so I think that's a good recognition, right, of just how fast communication actually works against us and we're not being effective at getting our message across and at making it so that our message can be received. Because sometimes we focus on communication in terms of what I'm saying and we miss out the part that I also want it to be received because effective communication doesn't happen if the other person can't receive what we're saying. And so we've got to understand like, how would I feel if I were this person receiving this? That's going to require some changes up front. If I want this other person to receive it, right? I don't want them to get defensive. I don't want them to feel attacked. I don't want them to feel criticized. So I've got to change my message to be one in which they're not going to uh, like kind of put their hand up and, and refuse it from the get-go. And so uh, the Gottmans call this a gentle startup, right? So I tell couples, when you wanna talk about something, first of all, you've gotta let the other person know, like, hey, I, I'd like to have a conversation with you about something. Or, you know, I use this phrase a lot, I teach it to couples, just I'd like to circle back to something we were talking about, right? The other second mistake, so mistake number one I think that people make is they go way too fast. Mistake number two is we have this idea that communication is going to happen in one conversation. And so we're trying to get everything that we possibly want to say on the subject and every feeling we might have on the subject in one conversation. And you've got to think of communication as a series of conversations, not just a one-time event, right? And so I tell couples, if communication is being effective, you are always communicating with your partner, right? And for most people that we interact with, we're always having conversations. And 
the conversation never really ends, right? Because how I'm received in my fifth conversation with this person is also going to be determined by how they felt about the communication in the previous four, right? So I'm always either building uh, trust in the communication process in the relationship, or I'm damaging some of that trust in the communication process. So again, mistake number two is we think I've got to say everything up front, right? The other thing just kind of to go along with um, mistake number two is that we will dominate the conversation, right? And and I think that dominating the conversation, obviously it can be about control and I'm controlling how the conversation goes by not giving you an opportunity to talk. But the other um, thing about control, if I have in my mindset or not about control, but if the other thing about dominating the conversation is if I have in my mindset that I have to say everything right now because this is my only chance to talk about this, then I'm gonna go way too long. And normally, right, in communication, we kind of get a sense of, I'm gonna tell you this, right? And at some point, the other person kind of has to give us feedback or we're not actually communicating, right? Communication is, not just a one-dimensional exercise, right? If I've got two people, it's going to be a two-way communication. If I've got three people, there's gonna be three ways that communication is happening. And so if I think that I've only got this one chance, that I'm gonna dominate the conversation, which either gets the other person defensive or they just check out or they stop listening because we've kind of passed those uh, kind of normal, natural spots where maybe we'd stop and get feedback, right? Or we'd stop and kind of get their perspective. Now, the other mistake that I think we often make in communication is, you know, for most of you, if you've heard of effective communication skills, you know that there's a speaker and that's kind of identified and then there's a listener. And I think most people have some hesitancy about being the listener because it feels like the listener doesn't get a voice. And that's true if it's non-effective communication. And so I think we often will resent maybe being in the listener role, or we also are not very effective at listening. And so we switch those roles very quickly. We go from speaker to speaker to speaker to speaker, and we're just responding to each other and we're not necessarily listening to each other. In order to have effective communication, that listening piece is key. And it's not just key in terms of, I just have to hear what you have to say and accept it as the truth. That's not the listener role at all. And so I, I wanna talk a little bit about some of the steps of communication. And then in other series, I'm, we're gonna talk about building empathy and we're gonna go deeper into how do we do a soft startup. Now, the fourth mistake, we're kind of starting this series with the mistakes that we make in communication. The fourth mistake is often that we don't recognize that when, like if I'm the speaker, I don't recognize that my perspective is subjective, right? I often think that it's objective and I talk that way. And when I talk from this objective point of view, oftentimes the person who is listening to me or the one who I'm talking to, they may not want to listen to me, right? Because they're going to feel criticized. They're going to feel attacked and that's going to lead to them being defensive. 
And so as a speaker, right, it's my job to um, help the listener be able to receive my message. And I've got to be able to do that from the way that I talk. So I've got to have that soft, soft startup and I've got to recognize that this is subjective, right? I may feel like my perspective is 100% truth and truth with a big T. But if it's my perspective, right, truth is always a little T truth. And so I've got to recognize that there's space for something that I'm not aware of or um, maybe I misinterpreted something. Right, this goes back to some of our episodes, some of the episodes that I did on confirmation bias and cognitive dissonance, in which we understood those principles and understand that we like to believe that we're really good judges of character, but the truth is there's a lot working against us when we're sizing somebody up. And so we may not be as effective uh, at reading things or judging things or interpreting things as we'd like to believe that we are. And so I think also recognizing that this is subjective and I have to speak as though I understand that it's subjective, right? So things like that, like I'm not going to say like, and then you rolled your eyes and then you checked out, right? I don't know that. I'm not in their body. And so I may say something like, and then it seemed to me as though you kind of rolled your eyes and it seemed like you just checked out. Now, That may, you know, that may be what I think I saw, but I don't, I can't interpret from that for them what was going on. And oftentimes that's where communication speeds up and we are jumping to conclusions and we are making assumptions and in the process we miss each other. And the point of communication should always be to connect with each other and to understand each other. Oftentimes it's to express ourselves and not necessarily this point of maybe being understood, but also understanding another person. So some of the skills that I want couples to practice, right? And initially, you know, I'll say like, who's the speaker and who's the listener if if they're in my session, in a session with me. And sometimes, you know, one person is talking about something. And so then I'll say, okay, you're now being a speaker. And so that makes you a listener. And I'll hand them like a a pad of paper and a pen and I'm like, write down what they're saying. Now, I think it's important because if we're, if the listener is having to write things down, oftentimes the speaker will slow down because they're watching them write and everybody knows that writing what somebody says is a slower process than hearing what somebody says. And so the, what I find, what I observe when I do this with couples is the speaker naturally slows down because they know that the listener is trying to write this down. And I also tell the listener, you want to, you want to capture the main points of what the speaker is saying. You also want to write those main points in the words that the speaker is using. And so sometimes this happens, right? This is not a big deal. If the writer is writing something, um, they may say to the speaker, like, wait a minute, tell me again what you just said, or what was that word that you used, right? Because they're trying to write and they, they forgot that word. So tell me again what that word was. That's not switching roles, right? That's the listener really being effective and, and really having this purpose of, I want to capture what you're saying to me. 
So, you know, the speaker may say, oh, I said, you know, I said I was frustrated. Okay, right, you were frustrated. And then I got irritated. Okay, irritated, thank you. And then the speaker kind of goes on. So you're going to want to use, when you're writing down as a listener, you're gonna wanna use the words that the speaker's saying. Now, one of the reasons for this is that oftentimes we can't get out of our own way, right? And so this comes from that, it's subjective, right? And so if I'm writing the main points, but I slightly change the words, I'm, I'm inserting me and my perspective into that process instead of really just trying to capture what the speaker is saying. And for effective listening, I kind of have to suspend myself and step out of myself in order to just capture what this person is saying. And the other thing that I tell couples a lot is words matter. Now, you don't have to be the most articulate person, but words matter, right? And so if I make small substitutions, I can very much put my perspective into that and attach my meaning to what you're saying, which is not me as a listener capturing truly what you're saying. So that's the first skill that I have them work on. Now with time, they probably don't need a notebook to be writing that down, but I will tell them, even once it becomes more natural for you, if you have a conversation where you get gridlocked and you're having a hard time moving past this and kind of getting understanding, pull out a notebook, pull out a pen and go back to doing it. It looks like, you know, the speaker's kind of talking about whatever, and we'll talk about in another episode, maybe how the speaker can do this in a way that uh, their message can be received and understood and not have the listener be defensive. So the speaker's talking, the listener is writing it down. Now for most people, if you're the speaker, you're gonna get to a place where, you know, you're talking and you kind of pause, and this is where the listener summarizes, right? And so they'll say, so what I'm hearing you say, or some version of that. So what you said, so what I got from what you just said, whatever that looks like, right? You're some version of that that's fairly neutral is that Wednesday night when you came home from work, right? Whatever that looks like, and you're just writing down and you're, uh, or you're summarizing what you have written down and you're saying it to them. And so you're getting, I would use air quotes, right? Facts, because again, we're talking about perspectives. So these aren't like hard and true facts, but you're giving them back what they just stated to you. Now, this is an important process because if the speaker is slowed down and they're hearing their words, not the listener's words, but they're hearing their words come back at them, oftentimes if we're speaking and we are not effective at getting our message across, when we get that reflected back to us or mirrored back to us, we're like, oh, and so this is a chance for the speaker to say, Oh yeah, I did say that. I, I don't know. Let me clarify what I meant by that, right? Or actually that sounds a little bit harsher than I intended it to. So when the listener is reflecting this back, the speaker gets an opportunity to say, yeah, you got it. Yes, you understood what I was saying, right? Or, well, let me clarify this. Or, you know, now the listener may also say once if the speaker says like, yes, you got it. I always say to the listener, a lot of times just first go around at being listener and speaker is not adequate. I find that there's maybe a kind of a natural flow of like two to three, depending on how 
much there is to say about something, right? So I say to the listener, you're still not done. So you've summarized, you've said, do I have that right? If they've clarified, right? Then again, if they've clarified something, you're writing that down again. Okay, so what I'm hearing is that it wasn't this, it was this. Or if they've said more, again, you're summarizing what more they said. Now at the end of that, you know, if they say like, yeah, okay, I I feel comfortable with what you just phrased back to me in terms of what I just said. That's accurate. Then the listener says, is there more? And not surprisingly, sometimes there's, or usually, I would say not sometimes, usually there's a little bit more. And so they'll say, well, yeah. And they may go on again. Listener is writing that down, right? Using their words, getting their perspective, trying to get an understanding of where this person is. Now, the goal of the listener is to put themselves in the speaker's shoes, right? It's not to say, well, I didn't say that or I didn't feel that, which is a lot of times how that goes. Instead, it's really looking to understand instead of get our points across. So the listener may also ask some questions. Like you mentioned this, I'm not quite sure what you mean by that. Could you say more, right? They're still staying in that listener role. They're still making sure that they can understand. So, you know, like I said, this may go two to three times where they're saying, is there more? Or could you tell me more about this? I'm not sure I understand. Two to three times before the speaker kind of feels like, yeah, I feel like I'm kind of done and I wanna hear what you have to say, not just what you're reflecting back or mirroring back to me. Now, again, this can be tempting for the listener to then step in and to start being the speaker, but we're not done yet. And this is what I am talking about when I say we have to slow the process down and make sure that we get we hit every step in order to be effective. So, you know, once the, the listener has said, you know, is there more, and the speaker kind of gets to a place where Usually what's happening, I think, inside the speaker is there may be more, but I'm wanting to open this up to two-way. I want to get your perspective. And so they'll say something like, no, that's, or I'm good. They're like, no, I'm good for now, right? So again, the listener still has a couple of steps before we can switch roles. So they've got to be able to add some emotions, right? Because it's not just understanding the words that somebody is saying but it's also understanding an emotional message to what they're saying. And so the listener may say something like, so when you're feeling, when you were feeling irritated and when you thought that I ignored you or when you thought that I dismissed you or I was being abrupt with you, I would think that that felt like you felt dismissed or that made you feel sad. Something like that, right? And, and this is where you have to know, and I usually give couples like, here's the emotions, right? And here's a list of emotions. And you can either pick one off of that list or you can, it can kind of, you know, start your brain thinking so that you can use the emotions. So you're saying, you're sending in an emotion saying, this is how I think that you felt, right? We're activating our mirror neurons. And if as a listener, we've done our job well and we've stepped into their perspective and kind of activated our mirror neurons, then I can guess at how you might feel. Now, I tell listeners, it really doesn't matter if you're accurate or not. I mean, you should try to be, right? But if you're making an attempt, right, maybe you say, you know, you felt dismissed when I just walked out of the room. Maybe the speaker says, 
I don't know that I felt dismissed. I felt ignored. I felt unimportant. Right now, again, dismissed may also fit those words. We don't have to argue over whether dismissed and the listener using the word dismissed was right, right? We're sending a word in and the speaker gets to pick up how they felt, right? And they're giving us back the words that they like to use. And so the listener uses those words. Okay, yeah, I can understand that you felt unimportant. Now, sometimes there's an advanced skill here. We're not going to get into that yet, where as a listener, I may know this person's story and I may say, I could understand how given the family that you grew up in and given the role that you played in your family, not feeling important or looking being overlooked is a sore spot for you. And so I can understand how that got triggered and I'm so sorry about that, right? But that's more of an advanced skill. So we're sending in emotional words. Even if we're wrong, what I find is most times the speaker doesn't care if we get the emotion wrong, right? They'll feed back to us what they say their emotional word is. And there's usually um, an appreciation that we're trying to understand them and trying to understand the emotions that were going on. So once we've gotten to the emotional piece, right, then we have to validate that, right? And that's, that's some of, I mean, more advanced, I can go back into their story, but I can say, you know, a kind of a basic validation You know, I can understand how, you know, when I walked out of the room, even if as a listener, you're like, I didn't even hear them say anything. Like I didn't walk out of the room because I didn't want to talk to them, right? That comes up later. And so you just say, I can understand how when I walked out of the room for you, that felt like you were unimportant and you were overlooked or whatever that means, right? Maybe they were speaking soft. We don't have to get into that, right? Because I'm in their perspective and I am taking on how they must feel. And I'm really trying to get to that place of understanding, right? And so they may say like, yeah, yeah, that's how I felt. Now we're kind of finished, right? Now, sometimes you may say if it's after the fact, right? Like, or if it's after the Gottmans call it like a regrettable incident, right? If it's after some conflict, if it's after a fight. I usually say, again, words are important. And so it would be important to then say, you know, I apologize or I'm sorry um, that that happened. That, That was not my intent at all, but I can totally understand how that's how you perceived that. And, you know, I usually tell couples, like have some type of physical touch to also communicate what you're saying verbally, whether that's a hand on their hand, whether that's a hand on their knee, whether that's kind of a little hug or something like that, or at least meet them with eye contact so that they are understanding that this is where you're coming from and it's authentic and genuine. Now, then I usually say to couples, now say, are we okay to switch spots, right? But let it feel done, right? I We've done that, you've spoken, I've listened. Because if the speaker doesn't truly feel listened to, they're not actually going to get out of the speaker role. Even if they say, yeah, we're okay to switch. What I find is they have a hard time then going into the other person's perspective because they didn't feel like that was done for them. So, you know, if if we're truly finished and are we okay to, to switch roles? Right now, I do say to the listener, if we switch roles and you find that they're actually not 
doing the listening or they keep putting, they keep speaking. Now this can be frustrating for the listener. I get it. But you like either one of you have to understand, oh, we didn't quite finish the last one, right? So the listener may say something like, hey, it seems like there's more that you had to say. Were we not really done, right? That's a way of not being charged, right? I'm not like you keep interrupting me and you're not actually listening to me. That's going to get a different response than if you were to say something like, it seems like you had more to say and I'm, I'm wondering if we were really done and ready to switch roles. Yeah, that may be frustrating for the listener who thought that they had done a do- good job who the person said that they were done and then they're not actually done. And often I just have to say, what's the point of why we're having this conversation? If it's to have effective communication and if it's to reach that point of understanding each other, then we have to go back because to keep going forward is actually going to usually end in a negative outcome and more conflict and neither one of you feeling understood. So we might feel frustrated, but we go back. Tell me more about this. Now, sometimes, right, and if I'm working with a couple, sometimes I can sense, you know, if the listener keeps doing this over and over again and they never quite get to their turn or the speaker will never quite let go of their role as speaker, we have a different issue going on, right? And it's a control issue. And it's more about, I want to be controlling in the conversation, not that I want to have effective communication. So that's a different issue. And then we switch roles, right? And sometimes the listener then says like, here's my perspective from what happened Wednesday night or whatever that looks like, right? Now, also, if there hasn't been kind of a conflict or a regrettable event that the couple needs to process, right? There's still things to talk about and we still need to do kind of the, the steps, right? Have a speaker, have a clear speaker. Um, because I find sometimes with couples, maybe somebody just comes home and they start talking about how their day went and they're not resolving any conflict or there's not any, anything that they thought was undone between them in the relationship, but they're just talking about how their day went. And so the other person doesn't recognize that. And then they just start talking about how their day went. And usually that comes up a couple days later, a week later, that somebody didn't feel heard, right? Or I was talking about how my day went and then you just told me how your day went. And so I've had enough couples kind of who go through that cycle where I just say, always be aware of like who's speaking, right? And it's usually the person who first starts talking. And so all of a sudden, if they're speaking, if they start speaking, even if it's about like, oh, I had a bad day at work or I had a great day at work or I was home with the kids and guess what happened, right? Whoever starts that, initiates that conversation is the speaker and that should signal to the other person, I'm now in a listener role. And again, it may go pretty smooth because there's nothing difficult to work out, right? Or it's not really significant data. But if we stay in those listener speaker roles, we're going to be much more effective at communication. So again, I'm going to do a series on this and we're going to talk about effective communication. We're going to talk about general startup. We're going to talk about, you know, when it gets really difficult or when it gets really dicey. We're also going to talk about like, how do we talk about mundane things, right? Because 
sometimes people have this idea that like if if there's nothing significant to share, I don't need to share. And then we can fall into a pattern of not really knowing what happens with the other person because we're not really sharing because we see that it's insignificant. And I always tell couples it's insignificant until all of a sudden it was significant. And sometimes we feel like, well, now it's significant, but it's been going on for months and it wasn't significant. And so now in order to tell you about the significant thing, I have to go back three months and that just seems super long. And so I just don't even tell you about significant things. I think when we're talking about being relational, we have to recognize that there's nothing that isn't significant, right? Because this is how the person is experiencing their day. And even small mundane things are things that we want to know about this person if we want to feel that connection. So I'm excited to do this series on communication. If you have any questions, please email me. I'd love to hear if you have specific situations or specific questions when it comes to effective communication. You can email me at pack, P-A-C-K, Jackie, J-A-C-K-I-E, at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. At the end of this episode, I want to remind you that your story matters. Remember, there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. Until next time, Jackie. The Legal Stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. The Prayer of the Perfectionist. Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone. I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.